Uh, one of the um, biggest problems people have and, uh, is faith and belief and I thought I'd deal with it because uh, when you come to war you can look at it and when you come to Christian living you can look at it and, and problems in your life you can look at it from the wrong perspective the children of Israel came out of Egypt and God said look I'll, I've given you the land that's the land of Canaan and in the story uh, God said I'll fight for you and the problem was that when they sent spies into the land they looked at what seemed problems the big cities, walled cities everything seemed adverse to their occupation what you have to understand is God made a promise and they wouldn't believe what God said so they stayed outside in the wilderness for 40 years provided for by God but because they wouldn't believe and didn't understand God's ways when God says I'll do something he does it he said I've already given you the land they wouldn't believe it in the same way that people today as Christians are told that they've got all things they won't believe it all things that pertain to life and godliness we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places because you don't believe it you don't experience it because you won't live in it now the strange thing was when the children of Israel finally went over Jordan Jericho fell and the walls fell down without any of their help they merely marched round the city blew the trumpets on the seventh day shouted with a loud noise down came the walls God delivered the city into their hands and God is God now that could have happened 40 years before he said I'll drive out the enemy before your face I'll send hornets they didn't believe it it's amazing how many people cling to excuses in the Christian life for disease, for sickness, for sin, for bondage by this nonsense of the old man and the nonsense of demons and devils and rulers and the nonsense that somehow God hasn't done what he said he's done that is unbelief the old man was done away with in Christ 2,000 years ago every disease was nailed to the tree 2,000 years ago and you are defying God when you deny it that is the truth you're defying his word it's done and we need to live in belief and faith in what God has already done for us we begin to walk in it and live in it if you live in the fact of trying to get what God has done you'll live in unbelief the delusion that somehow you're made more holy by living and slowly delivered it's a total delusion God said it's done the idea that somehow you're slowly going to enter it is a delusion it's unbelief you're living in sin it is done and God wants to bring us to the realization of what he said is done 
He promised it, it's done. And if you want to benefit of it, you have to learn to come out of, uh, of unbelief and into belief. And belief is acting upon what God has said. You act upon it. And a lot of people won't act on it. What they want to do is sit down and do nothing and wait for God. And I'm not a believer in that. I'm a believer in what God said. It's okay. Now you can look and say, well, the facts are different. Look at the giants in the land. Look at the cities in the land. Look at this. Hey, God said it's done. They're of no consequence. They can't stop God's purposes being worked out. The facts aren't facts, they're fiction. The fiction that somehow these great giants are going to throw the children of Israel off, it was fiction. It wasn't fact. You say, but they were there. No. They were already defeated. The spies came back, the ten unfaithful spies, and they said, oh look, we were as grasshoppers in their sight and, and you know, and in our sight, and it wasn't true. Their hearts the, of the enemy had already failed them for fear. The devil knows he's defeated. The only thing he's trying to con you into believing is that he isn't. And you believe his lie, so you live in unbelief. And I want to deal with it this morning and make it plain. Now, it's not believism where you're trying to believe something that isn't. It's believism uh, in the sense of what God says is true. That's a Christian way of living. I'll tell you this, the Holy Spirit is the one who renews the spirit of your mind. That's the attitude of your mind. It's the Holy Spirit who pulls down the strongholds of Satan in your mind. It's the Holy Spirit who brings every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It is God working in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And you need to understand it's God who does it, not you. You cooperate and obey. That's your only call and need. If the children of Israel had obeyed and cooperated with God, they'd have been in the promised land and they wouldn't have spent 40 years and one generation lost. And I see people being lost generations because they won't believe God. Turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Mark, chapter 2. I want to give you illustrations of it. You can't go wrong when you've got a Bible. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noised that he was in the house and straight away many were gathered together insomuch there was no room to receive them no not so much as about the door and he preached the word unto them and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press they uncovered the roof where he was and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, 
thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason you these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine own house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Here's a story of a man let down through the roof by his friends. Uh, they couldn't get there because of the press, it says. And Jesus says, Arise, take up your bed. He couldn't. There was no way he could do what he was commanded to do. Physically, he was sick of the palsy. He was carried of four people. He could not do what he was told to do, so he did it. I find nine-tenths of the problem with people is they won't do what they're told to do, and therefore they remain in their disease. If he'd lay there and said, can't you see? Took four people to get me here. How do you expect me to rise up? The facts say I can't. But he ignored the facts when God spoke. And what he did was believe what God said to him. And that is the difference between a man who says he believes and a man who acts on what he believes. And that is the difference between faith, and faith is a noun, and believe is a verb. And when you act upon God's word, faith is created. Until then, Faith without works is dead. And most people live in bondage because they never act upon what God has said because they tell you the facts of their experience are different. And therefore they live in their experience and it's experiential knowledge and they never rise up and believe God's word. And so faith is never produced. They believe all the right doctrines, they believe all the right things and do nothing. And that is one of the problems. Because they refuse to believe beyond their experience. What they do, they always go back, oh well, you know, I, I, you don't understand, you don't know what I've been through, you don't know how, I, uh, you know, I, I can't do it. And because of that, faith never is birthed in the heart. Nothing you can do. 
That's why it's better to get someone off the street, never heard the gospel, doesn't know anything about Christianity, walk in, they'll get a miracle far quicker than a person who's got religion. Why? Because the person who's got religion has all his religious reasons for why it won't work. The Pharisees sat there, if you read in uh, the same uh, story in Luke's Gospel, you'll discover the power of God was there to heal them and no one got healed. It was only when they let down the man through the roof that a miracle happened, but it says in the other Gospel that the power of God was there to heal. Fact. When God speaks and you do, faith is born. That's fact. That doesn't happen. Because people hang on to deception. Because deception's more comfortable because it's their experience. That's why the children of Israel looked into the promised land, said, you don't know, what about the giants? What about all the problems? What about this? What about that? Hey, God had already considered all that, and he said, I've given you the land. I'll drive out the enemies. Would they believe God? No. Faith is born, and the just shall live by faith when you act upon what God says. You live it. Children of Israel only had to go across Jordan and get in there. That was all. They wouldn't do it. And that's the problem with the majority of people who don't get into real life, it's not anything other than the fact they just won't do what God says. Simple. Isn't that simple? Well, isn't it? If you want to know why you're in bondage, it's not basically that somehow your experience is right, your experience is wrong. It's the fact that God said it and you won't do it. Because you have your understanding and your reasons and you know better than God. Let's take another example. Turn with me to Luke, chapter Verse 4, now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. I want to point out that that's old English and it's nothing to do with beer. Um, it's to do with catching fish. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. Let me ask you a question. Here's a fisherman, knows Galilee. They fished all night, caught nothing. Along comes Jesus, he's a carpenter, trained as a carpenter. let down your net
everything would say it's morning, fish aren't feeding, wrong time, wrong place, wrong instruction. And Peter answers and says, hey, we toiled all night, we caught nothing. In other words, though everything tells me it won't happen, you say do it, so I'll do it. And when he did it, they encompassed such a great multitude of fish, and John numbers them were 153. Large fish they caught in the one net. What you have to understand is they did what Jesus said to do. They believed God's word even though all the circumstances said it cannot be. And the problem with Christians today is they go by their experience, by their beliefs, and when it comes to God's word, they won't do it. They believe their logic more than Christ, and when God speaks, they will not go beyond listening, accepting, but not doing. Peter could say, well, I believe you said that. Yeah, that, that's, that's your word. I believe your word. And just carried on, got to the beach, hung up his nets, said that's it. But you see, it took belief acting before the miracle happened. And then he had faith. You hear what I'm saying? Hello. Very different. See, so many people, they're hooked up with the wrong thing. Let's turn to John's Gospel, chapter 2. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto a woman, What have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Secret of living. That's the secret of life. If you want to know the secret of life which takes you out of religion and into reality, you better learn to hear God and do it. That's it. It's not believing and accepting and making a decision, it's acting. You have to do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. And there's a lot of people who come and they'll come to a church and they'll hear and believe all the right things and come month after month and year after year and they'll never get into life. They'll always be in death even though they claim to be good Christians, even though they come to church, even though they can sing the songs, even though they might speak in tongues. They're never in life because they don't do what God says so their believism doesn't turn into faith 
because the reality of salvation never becomes theirs. Is that plain? A lot of people like that. Can't argue with it. They say, I believe, I made a commitment, I did this, I did that. But it's never become faith, it's just belief. All the right things. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. I want you to notice that uh, Jesus did not have teetotaling attitudes because the people had had quite a bit of wine before he made the best. Not that I advocate drunkenness, I'm totally against it. The servants, they went and filled these water pots with water, they filled them to the brim, and when they were told to take the water and bear it to the governor of the feast, they did so. Their logic would tell them that what they were doing was crazy. Reason would say, that is a stupid thing to do. But God said do it. So often people won't do and won't live according to God's word because their rationale says if you do that it's going to be to your detriment. You imagine what the servants thought as they went to the governor of the feast and they began pouring it out. What is going to be the response of the governor of the feast when he tastes this? We know where it came from. All the servant, the governor didn't know but the servants sure, sure knew. And they were told whatever Jesus said they were to do. Who was this Mary? Who is this Jesus? Whatever he says, do. But you see, when you obey, then you move into the realm of the miraculous. People don't get miracles because they don't obey. The miraculous realm is one where obedience to God's word is accepted. You can live in a belief, you can live in a so-called twilight faith where you have faith in it because it says it in the Bible but because you never act on it and your life doesn't conform to it you have a believism and a false faith because true faith demands obedience in life. And if you don't have that, you have nothing. The miraculous realm starts with obedience to his word. God said it, I believe it, 
therefore I do it. Without that, there's no faith and there's no reality. Is that plain? Is that plain? So you can sit here today and you can say, well, I believe. I'm a believer. Yeah, you are a believer. The devil believes and trembles. The difference between someone who believes and someone who lives by faith and walks in faith is he takes his belief and he obeys the word of God and by his actions his belief turns to faith and he lives in the miraculous realm. What he says, you must do. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 18, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Is that plain? Now there's two contrary things. There's the wisdom of this world. There's your reason. There's the way you can look at things and say, just a minute, but you don't understand, you know, you don't know the facts, you don't know the way it really is, because, you know, if you do this, the consequences are going to be this, this, and this. You see, the children of Israel looked into the promised land and they said, hey, God might have promised it to us, but you just don't know what's in there. You don't know the enemies, you don't know this, you don't know that. All seems very good. Except that God says, I've already given you the land, it's over. The battle's mine, says God. You don't have to do a thing. But psychologically, your reason tells you, well, God can't do that. It can't be. <laughs> you, you know, I know the facts. Well, God makes the, the wisdom of this world foolishness. What seems true is a lie. What is true is what God says. God said, I've given you the land. Reason said, there's giants in the land. God said, let down your net for a draft of fishes. Reason said, I've fished all night. It's not the right time to fish. We've tried everything. There are no fish around. 
God's word said let down your net the man who was sick of the palsy reason said people carried me here four men I haven't been able to walk I've been sick of the palsy a long time I'm carried on a bed he can see I was let down through the roof what's he playing at telling me to get up take up my bed and go home when I can't walk reason tells you nothing you can do but the word of God says get up so what did he do he got up that's where the issue lies do you believe your reason or do you believe God Do you act on what God says? Many, many people say, I know God can do it. Sure he can. God can do anything. That's not faith. It's acting on what God says. Oh yeah, well if he's creator of heaven and earth, he could turn water into wine. And he can do anything. Yeah, but to actually take the water out of those water pots and carry it to the governor of the feast and pour it out, that takes some doing. But whatever he says, do it. See, a lot of people, they live in the twilight zone of believism. What you are is someone full of believism, but someone who doesn't act on what God says believe the right things but you don't live it when God speaks you have to do action boom and then faith is born without that no faith is that plain is that plain another case where Jesus went man with a withered arm he said, stretch forth your arm. If he'd said, I can't, it's withered. No miracle. Did what he was told. I've seen wonderful miracles happen in this place. They've happened when someone will do what I tell them to do. They don't happen when they don't. And there's some people you can't help because they will never do what God says just leave them when you act on what God says I'll tell you what happens a miracle is waiting for you and the reason you don't get it is because you live in your defensiveness and you live in your believism and you won't act on it because to act on it means you had to confess that you are living in a wrong thing the man who was there lying on the bed he said, okay, just to show you, your sins are forgiven. Who said he was a sinner? I mean, what sins could he commit? He was sick of the palsy. He'd been lying there for years. And in front of all these religious people, he turns around to him and says, your sins be forgiven you. He hadn't even mentioned sin. He hadn't come there to get his sins forgiven. Fancy being humiliated like that. Everyone knows I'm a sinner now. How... Hey, no one knew before you spoke up. And everyone's reasoning in their hearts, you know. 
Well, who is this? To be? They didn't doubt he was a sinner. They didn't have any misgivings about his rotten life. Jesus said it. They didn't have any misgivings about that. They had misgivings about the fact that only God could forgive sins. You imagine the man lying there on the bed. I came to get healed and I'm told I'm a rotten sinner in front of everyone. It's called exposure. Not very nice. And then he says, just to prove that I forgive sins and I have the authority to do it, he says to the one who's sick, who's probably thinking, hey, you had no right to expose me. You had no right to tell everyone. You ever think about that? I mean, you imagine, in front of all those religious hobnobs, and the place was packed. I mean, this wasn't a quiet thing. A lot of people don't, they, they don't want to get their hearts right with Jesus. A miracle happens when you act. Strange enough, you can act without God speaking it and nothing will happen. It's no good taking a word in the Bible like uh, Naaman's word to go and wash in Jordan and thinking because you've got leprosy it'll work for you. It won't. If God doesn't speak it by the Holy Ghost inside you, you're on your own. That's another kind of believism. Okay? Is that plain? Don't want anyone to get the wrong ideas. I'm just spelling it out. You know, I, I love the Bible. <coughs> Isaiah 53. Um, in uh, chapter 53 of Isaiah... Speaking of Christ, he is despised and rejected of men. Why is he rejected of men? Because he asked men to do what seems impossible and asked them to do what human wisdom and the wisdom of this world would say is farcical. And man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed we're healed why because of what he paid on Calvary's tree it's all done it's not something you're waiting for God to do your miracle and your healing was bought 2,000 years ago that's it 
What you have to do is act on what God says. It's not a matter of believism, it's not a matter of trying to get yourself into it. God said it, it's true. The devil has no power, disease has no power, sickness has no power, the devil's a liar. That is the truth. But you have to not just believe it, you have to act upon it. Do you know the Bible says he, he watches his word to perform it. Jesus is always looking at his word to perform it. When he speaks, the performance of it is his responsibility, not yours. He doesn't say you heal yourself. He doesn't say your faith will heal you. God says, I look on the word to perform it. God's the one who brings the performance about. You have to obey. You have to act on his word. It's not struggling. It's certainly not praying. And it's certainly not crying that brings the word about. Jesus has left me his joy. It's a wonderful life. What opportunities in life? God is good. I want to do what pleases him. My joy is to live for him. Ephesians chapter 1 says this. I prayed for a woman once, she came to me a few days later and she said, something's gone horribly wrong in my life. I said, what's gone wrong in your life? She says, you don't understand, something's gone horribly wrong. I said, well, what is it? She says, I can't worry anymore. She said, all my life I've been able to worry and now I can't. She said, it's just gone. I said, that's a normal life. She said, no, 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 you don't understand, all my life I've had things I worry about. She said, but I find I can't worry anymore. I said, that is normal. She said, that's normal. I said, yeah, that's because you got born again, you become a Christian, worry's gone. She said, oh. She said, you mean I shouldn't worry that I don't worry? I said, <laughs> said quite right. She said, I was worried that I wasn't worrying. I said, there's nothing to worry about. God's in control. Look at this. Blessed be, verse 3 of Ephesians 1, Blessed be the Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be what? Holy and without blame before him in, that's what you were chosen to be before the foundation of the world holy and without blame that's a Christian life you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places it has happened now what you've got to do is stop living in doubt and fear and start living in God it's happened. Oh, well, my experience tells me your experience is a lie. What God says is true. It's happened, it's done. 2,000 years ago, he did it all. You have no right to be miserable. You're not allowed to be. 
You have no right to be depressed. You have no right to live in doubt. You're an unbeliever. Stop it. Live. Simple as that. Before the foundation of the world, you were called to be holy. God calls you holy. A believer is one who acts on what God says. Isn't it wonderful? I've, there's no spiritual blessing that I haven't got. and There's no way that I'm not a blessed person. I've been blessed. God says I'm blessed. God says I was blessed before the foundation of the world and I wasn't even there at the time as far as I knew because I can't remember it but I was there. Do you know working out in time is what happened in eternity? It's wonderful. He was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. I was in him before the foundation of the world. We're only working out in time what happened in eternity and I've just learned about eternity because I got born again. And this is a promise of God, so I'm going to live it. Say, so, well, isn't there a struggle? No. What struggle? And there a fight? No. What fight? I have been blessed. It happened before the foundation of the world. It was all organized by God. I'm happy. I believe God. Same as letting your net down. Say, so, well, Reason tells me there's no fish there. I tried all night. Doesn't matter, God said it. Nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to live it. See, that's leaving the old, putting off the old, putting on the new, is just making a choice when you realize what God said. Hey, I've been conned by the devil. It was a lie. I am what God says I am. What God says he's done, he's done. He watches over his word to perform it. He won't fail. And then you just start rejoicing in your God who's done it all. That's why the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Faith laughs at impossibilities and cries, it shall be done. Not will be done. It's an absolute certainty. That's it. I can live different. As soon as I hear something, it's mine. He's blessed me. Hey, health! It's mine. Divine health is mine. Why? 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for me. The devil has no rights to afflict me. Disease and sickness has no rights over me. That's the truth. You say, well, what about my symptoms? They're lies. God's true. He's watching over his word to perform it. By his stripes you were healed. Simple as that. Happened 2,000 years ago. What's your problem? Oh, your problem is you're not going to act on it. You're going to say, ah, oh, but people tell me, I feel a man who was lying at the feet of Jesus, he could have said, you don't understand. I'm sick of the palsy. He was that sick of it, he didn't want to live in it anymore. So he got up. 
and you can too. You don't have to believe the lie. You can believe God. You say it's mind over matter. It is not mind over matter. It's what God says. God said it. Will it work for everyone? Sure. My God's not partial. I believe it. I'm a believer. I'm a faith man. If you want to know where I stand, I believe what God says is true. I really do. Doesn't matter what anyone says to the contrary, what God has guaranteed is so. Now isn't that an easy message? Well, isn't it? Huh? I mean, you don't have to be a great theologian to understand simple things. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Just want to leave you with this one. You remember in Luke chapter 1 verse 34 when the angel had visited Mary. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Hey, how can I have a child if I've never been with a man? <coughs> and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. You see, here was a woman. The angel came and said, Mary, you're going to conceive and bring forth a son. And she's saying, how? Impossible. Doesn't matter what your impossibility is, when God speaks it shall be. How shall it be? The Holy Ghost and the power of the Almighty will come upon you and God will fulfill his word in your life. That is faith. God does it. It's totally contrary to human reason. It's totally contrary to human understanding. It is God's promise. And he will not fail. How shall it be? Well, I want to tell you what the Bible says. For with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. It happens. How does it happen? God does it. And that's the miracle of salvation. How can Christ live in you? God does it. How can you be born again? God does it. It's impossible to change with God. 
all things are possible. That's the wonder of our gospel message. The good news is, the facts say no, God says yes. And the yes is habit. That's simple. Isn't that simple? Hmm? The impossible. Say it can't be. God says it's possible. The impossible becomes possible with the God of the impossible. You have to act on it. You have to act. Can't sit back and say, well, you know, I believe, I believe God can do anything. And what you have to do is obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Got to do what God says. Isn't that simple? Simplicity itself. The devil says you've had it. God says you haven't. Doctors say no hope. God says, I am your hope. That's the truth. Those that put their trust in him shall never be ashamed. What a promise. What a promise of God. That's a wonderful thing. Do you know this morning... There's a God of love who loves you. He's not far off, he's right here. Hadn't forgotten you, hasn't ignored you. He cares for you. That's who he is and what he is. The God of the impossible. You can look at the situation and you can look at your own body and you can look at your circumstances and you can say there's giants. There's a mountain in my way. And God says, but I've given it you. Salvation is to body, soul and spirit. God says, I've given it to you. It's your right. Say, well, how can it be? I don't have an answer. You don't need an answer. God is your answer. That is the truth. That is the reality. And so often I find Christians are fighting against the truth of God. They lie against the God of heaven. They argue things that aren't true. They say, well, it can't be. They give you all the reasons. Doesn't matter whether it's in your financial life, your physical life, your emotional life. Doesn't matter where it is. When you begin to say, it cannot be. When every circumstance says it cannot be, there's a God who comes with instructions to you. And he says it can be different. Though the wisdom of this world says, 
you can't do a thing there's a God who cried it's finished and the third day he rose again victorious to let you know it can be there's nothing he cannot do the impossible becomes possible because he steps in Mary cried how can this be I don't know a man no but the Holy Ghost shall come upon you the power of the Almighty is going to overshadow you because with God nothing shall be impossible suddenly the impossible becomes possible because God is here when Jesus came and he was in that house those four friends carried that man they tore off the roof when they couldn't get in and they let him down somehow they knew that the one who could do the impossible had come he was there for their friend Jesus looked up at the four he understood their love their concern he understood their hearts cry their logic said there's nothing we can do but they put him at the feet of the one who said the impossible shall be possible he looked down he said there's the sin issue to deal with got to clean up your life your sins are forgiven you it's as though you never sinned in your life but just so everyone knows it come on show them take up your bed go home it's over what a God don't you know we've toiled all night it's impossible we've done everything we know to do and it doesn't work and then he steps in and says I just want you to do what you can do I'm gonna do the impossible for you and so they let down their neck and all of a sudden the whole boat began to creak the net became full why? because suddenly they obeyed the one who said the impossible will be possible the servants told to do whatever he said why it was so crazy just to take water and offer it but all of a sudden the one who said the impossible will be possible spoke 
said, take it. And when they poured it out, it wasn't any more what they thought. They obeyed. They did what God told them to do. And the miracle happened. Jesus is here. He's not afar off. He lives in me. He lives in anyone who's born of God's Spirit. You say, well, I've done everything I know to do. There's no hope. There's no help. Ah, but you forgot the Holy Ghost and the power of the Almighty. It's going to be different. Is here. That's when miracles happen. The sin question, it needs dealing with. 2,000 years ago, he bled and died and took your sins and my sins into his own body on the tree. He took the punishment of it, the penalty of it, and the power of it into his own body. He broke its power forever. He took away the guilt of it forever. He loosed you from the bands of it. It's the truth. Nothing can stop it. This day, nothing can prevent it. The truth is here. Holy Ghost. Here. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the truth. And what's your responsibility? Why you have a choice. Inside, God is a faithful and true witness. The Holy Spirit witnesses inside. You can harden your heart against him or you can open up to him. You can leave the impossible this day and come to the possible in God. You can believe his word. You can believe his promise. It's that simple. Let's all pray. Let's stand. Close your eyes. As a friend of your soul, I want to say today to you, the impossible can be possible.
it's time for you. The Holy Ghost witness is inside. The real issue is the sin issue and salvation. Christ died for you. He took your sin into his own body on the tree. Third day he rose again from the dead. Are you prepared to respond to him? Father, I just pray for each one here. Master, Lord, Lord, you see the need of every heart and every life. You came to bring hope where there's no hope. Healing where there's no healing. Life where there's death. Deliverance where there's bondage. You came to turn things around. That's what you came to do. And Lord, this is a day. I'm talking to each one as an individual. To you alone. If you know inside the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, and you need that wonderful God of the impossible to meet you, and you know the Holy Spirit has quickened that word in you, I just want you to stay right where you are. Just lift up your right hand. The rest of you keep your eyes closed. Lift your ha right hand right up. Don't worry about anyone else. There's a miracle for you. Don't worry about anyone else. Lift up your right hand. Keep it up. You know it's the Holy Ghost. I want you to leave where you are and come right down the front, right now, quickly. Move, move right down the front. Don't worry, right up the front, come right up. Don't worry about anyone else. Right up the front. There's a miracle here for you.
is a miracle working God. You're not far off. Look up at me, you that have come forward. Look at me. Look up at me. I want to tell you something. You're walking from your seat to here was all you needed to do. That's all. Strangely enough, that's the only thing. The man picking up his bed to walk was the only thing he needed to do. The fisherman just needed to drop <laughs> the net over the side. That's all. It's just doing what he asked. That's the only thing you need to do. Man makes it so complicated. God made it so easy. He just asked you to do what you could do. He said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. The performance his, not mine, not yours, his. It's all gonna change just because you obeyed his word. That's the greatest mystery of all. Lift up your hand, your right hand. Everyone else, stretch your hands out to them. You stretch your hands towards them. Father, I thank you for these dear ones. Lord, you watched over your word to perform it. And Lord Jesus, I believe your promise. Thank you. Thank you that you always do by the Holy Ghost what you promise. Lord, I declare their healing their deliverance. I declare the impossible to be taken in the hands of the God of the impossible. That it be possible right now, right through their life. I break every chain, every fetter, I curse every disease, I break its power in your great name. I loose the yokes that have bound these dear ones. From this day, it's going to be different. From this day, 
everything's going to change from this day your power flows Lord Jesus thank you thank you for each one thank you Jesus Lord let your Holy Spirit work power of the Almighty just flow over them and through them right now and fulfill your word in Jesus name Amen isn't that easy that is so easy it's not a big struggle it was done in him before the foundation of the world it was all planned all perfected that's why we have such a wonderful gospel so so wonderful father I just pray for this man Lord I curse this foul disease in the name of Jesus Lord I just pray your quickening power in your mercy and your love let the peace of God flow into his life Lord Lord do a miracle precious Savior let him know the reality of the God of heaven in every part of his being quicken him right now in Jesus name Father reach into this life you're a good God in your grace and your compassion Let the peace of God reach inside. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you. He loves you. Thank you. He really does. He really loves you. He really loves you. Thank you. His name is Jesus. Thank you. He's not far off. Is right here. Lord, quicken every part of his being. Oh, gracious one. Master. You go with my wife here. Okay. You go, Peter. You go with my friend Peter. Mm. You know, it's just his word. Put your hand on your chest. I want you to say after me, Jesus, what you promised, you will perform. It was done in you before the foundation of the world. 
It's true. For me. Now. It's over. It's finished. The impossible. Has become possible. Because I did as you said. Thank you Jesus. You're my savior. My deliverer. My healer. My Lord. Thank you. Now wasn't it easy just to respond? Didn't take any great big deal. Wasn't it just so easy to come? And it's just as easy to rely on his word. He sent forth his word, he performs it. He won't let you down. No word he sends returns to him void. It always accomplishes what he sent it to do. That's the miracle of our God. Just so easy. No strain, no struggle, no effort. He does it. It's done. It's over. It's wonderful. You know, that's the beauty of the gospel. It's good news. When people do, God does. So simple. That's why so many people miss it. They make it so complicated. God bless you. You can go back to your seat rejoicing. From this day on, it's going to be different. It's going to be different.